are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. Thank you for joining us for a few moments. It is the Wednesday after Easter. We had a wonderful celebration of the Lord's resurrection this past Sunday. Let's get right into the scripture here for a little while together. Uh, I want to talk about some of the foundations of our faith, some of the base, uh, lowest strata, if you'd like, of what we believe. And I want to do this because I have recently been, I would say over the last two years, I've been obsessed and interested in church history, uh, the revivals, the religious awakenings, how they happened, what was the context, what was the cultural uh, moment that they arose out of. And I, I realized, listening to a lot of lectures, I actually purchased a college course of about 36 lectures, and I've listened to it, I don't know, maybe three, three times. I'm maybe into my fourth now. Um, a realization kind of popped into my head. Uh, I had been coming to it slowly, but it first began as a realization, and then I began to check it and look for uh, confirmation and I found lots of confirmation and that is basically this all religious awakenings are birthed out of simplicity uh, they all die in complexity um, there is a initial essence of the faith there is a simplification of truth or doctrine or fundamental belief and that is the awakening, that is the birthing, that is the moment of expansion. And all of them die in complexity uh, and in exclusion. Uh, the essence of the thing is always kind of a simplification that is uh, in some way a foundation to an inclusion. And then as that movement ages, it turns into the complexity of the thing and uh, ultimately the exclusion. Um, now, this made me think, uh, where did I feel like I was on that spectrum? Um, I think it's probably healthy for all of us to ask ourselves that question. Can we see the, the nutshell? Can we see the, the essence of the thing? Let me give you some uh, quick advan uh, uh, illustrations just quite off the top of my head. You go all the way back to Moses, and Moses begins with the giving of his law. And uh, it, for example, can be typified by, say, Ten Commandments. That's the giving of the thing. Um, and then, over time, it gets complexified, complexified, more complexification. And it turns into, ultimately, uh, 613 laws that were well meant. I've read them all. I, uh, I did research for a book and I, I went through every single one of them and they all mean well. None of them are absurd in themselves. They're all just very, very complex, detailed, nailing down those commandments. And, um, and yet that does not represent the essence of it. That is the complexification of it. And so the prophets come and they have this message of justice, this message of in all your getting, in all your complexification, in all of your you know arguments and debates over truth, and all your exclusion of others, um, you, you have you've missed the point of this thing. There was an essence beneath all your complexity, and you have called your complexity truth as an excuse to ignore the essence of the thing that's underneath. 
And uh, Jesus comes and he does the same thing, uh, except he takes us further back than justice. The prophets took us back to justice. Jesus takes us back to charity, takes us back to love. And he says of all the prophets, of all the law, uh, that's fulfilled in the greatest commandment, which is vertical, love the Lord with all your heart, mind. You get the idea. Uh, and then horizontal, which is love your neighbor as, as yourself. Um, this, this drove the religious glitterati, <laughs> the, the fancy types of the theological day. It drove them crazy, and they hated Jesus so much they ultimately killed him uh, over these kind of, this, this kind of a thing. They, um, they, they couldn't take it. And it's not just the Bible stories. If you look at every religious awakening, um, I'll just, again, this, I don't have this prepared. This is just kind of impromptu. Like, um, so the Catholic Church, the universal church of the day, um, that's what Catholic means is universal. Um, it has this very complex theology of such things that if you donate to the good work of the church, you can remove some of your sins and if you read, which I have not, if you read their complexifications, I'm sure there's impressive logic applied uh, to this um, justification. Uh, and then you have someone like uh, Luther come along, and he's like, uh, no. And he takes you back to the essence of the thing. You don't get to net God out. You don't get to come up with some complexification whereby you understand what I'm saying. This is also true later on in the Reformation. Um, it is, you know, John Wesley was an Anglican minister. His goal was not to start a new religion. He, he's probably the most successful in uh, all history at starting denominations as far as modern history. Um, there's so many that came out of that Methodist movement, but uh, that wasn't what he was going for. He was trying to take it back to essence. So it is with John White, uh, George Whitefield. So it is with uh, so many of these people taking it back to the essence of, of the thing. So if, if we're to learn from that, if we're to apply that to our lives, we would have to see that in the newness of the awakening, the religious awakening, there is an emphasis on the essence of the thing, the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And as time passes... There is a turning back toward the complexification of the thing, uh, the formulization of the thing. Uh, it's all disguised under the language of purity, and it's all placed under a type of uh, religious uh, zeal and even anger of truth. And these things aren't wrong. Uh, but the end result is, rather than simplicity and inclusion, there is... <laughs> complexification and exclusion. So what do we as a church, where, where do we start? If we go back to the essence of the thing, where, uh, where do we start? Well, I would read, uh, thinking about this and starting from that point, I, I would think of Ephesians 4, uh, verse number 4, there's one body, uh, there's one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. You guys can quote this who is above all and through all and most beautifully in you all. Um, that's a great place to start because there is one body. Uh, churches are expressed in many different ways and pastors are not better than other pastors. They are 
in some way connecting with a certain um, group that they have success with. Um, churches, uh, it's usually unhelpful to think of churches as one better than the other. Um, I think that is a sure path to vanity, uh, religious vanity, and remember that's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Um, it's much better to see that certain churches are, are they're going for a certain thing. Um, they, they may not admit it, they may not feel it, but they're going for something. And uh, although the insiders lose their ability to see it, um, people with fresh eyes, they can kind of see what is happening. But there's not multiple churches. Ultimately, there's not. There's, there's one church. And we all of us need grace to get along with one another. And we all of us need mercy uh, to disagree with one another in gentle manner and not lose our testimony. Um, there's no point in us disagreeing if we're going to have to sacrifice our testimony to do it. Um, we should be honorable one to another. We should be ethical one to another. I know that often isn't the case, uh, but that's the ideal, I think, that we should be aiming for. Uh, there's one church. So John wrote, chapter 17, verse number 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. Now, what is John writing? He is telling the story of Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and Jesus is making as it were, appeal, flesh to spirit, mortal to immortal. And he's praying for uh, the disciples that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Notice the connection between the manner in which they treat each other and the world being able to see that Jesus is the answer. Um, that's, that's pretty strong right there. This is Jesus' final prayer request. It should hit us uh, with weight. It should move us. This is what Jesus wanted uh, for, for us. Uh, the great power of the universal church, the whole church, not just your church or my church, but the whole church, the great power, uh, can only be expressed uh, through unity. Um, that's hard because we have things we disagree about. Um, but we cannot so complexify that what the larger world gets from us is our complexifications and our exclusions rather than the essence of the gospel and the essence of, of the faith. The Bible says there's one spirit. We read it together, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Again, uh, see the same principle in the New Testament church where they're trying to find the essence of their faith. That's why the first gathering, the, shall we say, first theological convention, Acts 15, the disciples are coming together on how do we accept these Gentiles? They have none of our complexities. But is there an essence whereby we can find some common ground and include them uh, and they do that. I mean, they basically, they come up with just four things that are quite simple <clears throat> compared to the law. Uh, and they have this awakening that is, again, in its very core, uh, filled with a sense of, of the simplicity of Christ and the essence of, of the truth. Um, there are many different styles in churches. There are many different tastes, different preferences, but there's one spirit. There's one church. There is one spirit. <clears throat> it's God's spirit. Uh, we should be very careful to 
label anything we don't personally like as uh, not being uh, God's spirit or God's church, uh, how would we know? Uh, we're not really God. Um, I know that is terribly disappointing, but uh, we're not. Uh, there's one Lord. Uh, there's one God, one Father of all. Uh, Colossians 1.15 Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And uh, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. It's all about Jesus. Theologically, not just what the worship team says. <laughs> For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And so, uh, again, he will say in <clears throat> the next chapter, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, the essence of the faith. At our church, we emphasize that monotheism of God. We, we emphasize that completeness in uh, Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's one throne in heaven and there's one that sits upon that throne uh, and his name is his name is Jesus. So we as a church we we emphasize we emphasize that. Um, we don't deny the Son, we don't deny the Father, we don't deny the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's that that's a quite unfair accusation. Um, we just believe there's a completeness manifest in Jesus. <clears throat> His very name, Jesus, uh, is referring to the Father. <laughs> Literally, Jehovah has become my salvation. That's what Jesus means. So Jesus is referring to the Father. When I say Jesus, I'm saying Jehovah, the Father, has saved me. Do you see? So we're complete in uh, Jesus Christ. And that's why we as a church, we try to model what the New Testament church did in our baptism. We've had a bunch of baptisms lately that's amazing, super exciting. Um, it, it represents a, 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 just a profound moment in the believer's, the believer's life. And so we celebrate it as a church. Uh, we, we try to do it like they did in the Bible where we immerse them in water. Um, and we also do it in the name of Jesus because <clears throat> although it's much more popular uh, to... <clears throat> excuse me. Although it's much more popular to uh, see baptism in the titles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because of the passage in Matthew 28, 19. Um, that, that's that's uh, ultimately a role of God and not a name of God. And um, the New Testament church understood that. Um, if you think that, that they got it wrong, the very first thing they did was to get the commandment of Jesus wrong. Um, then maybe we have a lot bigger things to worry about than just that. Um, but they, they heard Jesus' command, um, and they went and they did it. How did they do it? The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. All of these can be shown scripturally. Um, and so we're complete in Him, and we try to do it like, like they did it. However, uh, we don't want to make enemies of all the other churches that baptize in titles. Um, that's not how we want to do it. That's not how we want to uh, emphasize it. And we're going to be a witness for that name of Jesus. Um, uh, but when people come to our church, most of them, many of them have been baptized in the titles. And it gives us the wonderful opportunity um, to baptize them in the, in the name of Jesus. It becomes part of that, that testimony. 
Um, and I, I love that. And I, I love doing it like they did in the New Testament. And I think that it is, um, I think it's true to the Scripture. Uh, there's more to be said on that, but uh, I think it's beyond the scope of this, this, this short study we're having here together. Um, and so uh, there is this one baptism. There's one, one hope, one Lord, <laughs> uh, one faith, one baptism. <clears throat> and so when we talk about faith, you'll notice faith is one of those words that's used in many different ways in the Scripture. Let me give you some examples of this. Um, so Galatians chapter 1, verse 20, 23, uh, Paul preaches about the faith that he once destroyed. He was a persecutor of believers in his beginning. He writes in 1 Timothy 1, uh, Timothy's Paul's son in the faith. In uh, chapter 4, he says you can depart from the faith. In chapter 5, he says you can deny the faith. Chapter 6, all this is 1 Timothy. He says you can err from the faith. And uh, second letter to Timothy, chapter number 3, Verse 8, you can be a reprobate concerning the faith. 1 Corinthians 16, he says you can stand fast in the faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 to 5, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Um, all of these are uh, correct usage, but what we're saying is there's one faith. And that faith is in Jesus Christ. Uh, that is fundamentally made possible by the redemptive work, the redemptive accomplishment of Jesus Christ. That is what we celebrate. That is what we, um, as a church, center our hope upon. That's what we testify, preach, share, teach. Um, we are uh, exalters of Jesus. We want to be baptized in His name. Uh, what else do we want? Uh, well, first of all, before we're even baptized, we want to acknowledge that God has a way for us, and we've not been walking in it. And so we turn from the way we've been walking and we start walking in the way the Lord intended for us. And uh, we use a word from the Greek for this. It's called repent. And churches talk about repentance. It's the same word that a uh, Roman sergeant would have shouted to a marching line of soldiers when he said repent. They would turn and go the other direction. Uh, and so we repent. We acknowledge God's plan, God's preeminence in our life. We turn toward His way. Uh, we're baptized in His name. And uh, He then... Uh, inhabits with us. His Spirit comes to dwell in us. Ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell with you. And He manifests Himself to you through a gift, uh, which is uh, the speaking of another tongue. It's not for show. It's not for drama. Uh, it's for you. And it is something that should have this uh, transforming experience in your life where you know uh, that the Lord was touching you in a manner, manifesting through you in a manner that you are not alone. Uh, you are with, uh, or let me say it this way, you are hosting His presence uh, in your life. And so these are, this is the essence of what we want for uh, people. This is what we teach every, every month in First Steps. This is what we want for people. This is the essence of the thing. Now, as a communicator, a teacher, a pastor, there is a lot of things I can go down, a lot of roads I can walk. Um, but this is the essence of the thing right here. Um, there's other things that are good, but as a church, we're not, going to, we're not going to hold them at the same level of exclusion. Do you see? We're not going to hold them at the same level of drawing a line. The essence of the thing is this testimony given to us in the book of Acts, uh, I, I think shown most clearly in chapter number two, uh, where P 
Peter addresses this. It's not that chapter 2 is the most important chapter in the Bible. It's not that verse 38 is more important than any other verse in the Bible. That's, we shouldn't think that way. That's, that's silly. Um, however, it is the moment of the church's origin and birth, and this is the gist of the matter. Now, there may be people who you know, criticize um, you or I because of any number of, of failings in our life. I'm a, I'm a normal person. Um, I am weak. I'm fragile. I'm vain. I am uh, predisposed to any number of failings of the flesh. I hope that's not too much truth for you. <laughs> but it's true. And everyone should be able to say that. It doesn't hurt your testimony to say that. It helps your testimony. Um, it's, but, but this essence of the thing, this is what we want. We want people to turn from a path that is basically a path of short-term self-service and see that God's stamp is upon their life. And they repent from their way to God's way. And they begin inclining their heart toward God. And uh, we want them, having repented, uh, we want them to uh, be baptized. Uh, it's a public testimony, yes. Uh, it's a washing of spiritual regeneration, yes. Uh, but, but it's also spiritual adoption. You're given His name. Uh, and then we want them uh, to host the presence of the Lord in their life. And one of the ways that will be shown is through tongues. That's not the only way, uh, but that's one of the ways that it will be shown in their life. This is the essence of the thing. And this is what we want for people. Um, that's where, as a church, uh, we're taking people. This is our apostolic inheritance. Now, I know we could fight over everything. <laughs> I could try to, you know, I know churches that tell you what news you should watch. I, I, I know churches that could, you understand what I'm saying? There's all number of things that represent good paths. <laughs> that's not the essence of the thing. If, if we're going to have a chance to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. Uh, we need to let our focus be on um, taking this promise and not being complexifiers, but being simplifiers and starting with that and hoping for unity from that point and then believing that God can change people, <laughs> believing that they want to be changed, believing that this is God's church um, and they're not serving us anyway. And once you make that switch, I'm telling you, your testimony will be more effective. Your family will like you more. Um, if you have children who aren't serving the Lord, don't, don't argue over everything. Let a thousand things go so you can represent one great truth. And that is simply this beautiful truth uh, that we are buried with Him in baptism and we are risen with Him in faith through the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead, First uh, uh, Colossians 1 and 12. Um, <laughs> we want to we let a thousand things go so we can hold one thing dear. All right, that's enough. I love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Lord, I pray you would be with your people. I pray you would walk before them. I pray you would give them your favor. But more than just what feels good to us, we also pray that you would give us your correction. And when we're wrong, speak to us. <clears throat> get our attention. Uh, hopefully you won't have to uh, speak harshly to get our attention. Hopefully we will be sensitive to you <clears throat> and respond to that. Be with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If 
this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.